Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. Go on. <laughs> My name's Joe, and I'm one of the leaders here, and we're really glad that you're here today, whether you're here in the building or watching online. Thanks for joining us here at Renaissance. We're going to study the Bible in Luke chapter 9. So if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 9. We're going to be working through verses 1 through 6. And we're finding ourselves in chapter 9 today because um, last week, Pastor Jeff was in Luke chapter 8. And I'll tell you how we got here. As he was um, teaching out of Luke chapter 8 a couple weeks ago, his study in that passage um, led him into another message for last week in Luke chapter 8. And while he was uh, reading that passage in Luke chapter 8 last week, I was sitting there on the front row reading along, and while he wasn't making fun of me, and if you, uh, if you weren't here or didn't get to see that, occasionally, um, if I'm sitting on the front row, Pastor Jeff will uh, take the opportunity, since I'm on the front row, to use me as an illustration as part of his message. Um, oftentimes um, in a shameful and hurtful way. But just so you know, we're friends. We're good friends. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all that he does that. We have a love-hate relationship. I love him. He hates me. It works out pretty well. And so when I get the mic, I get to do a little bit of that myself. But I kid, we're, we are good friends. But while he was reading Luke chapter 8, and he began to pray, instead of praying along, I don't recommend this, I kept reading, and I was reading into Luke chapter 9, and it dawns on me, oh, we could probably talk about this next week when I preach, so that's what we're doing and how we find ourselves here in Luke chapter 9. So if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's fine, we're going to put the words upon the screen for you. If you don't have a Bible with you because you don't own a Bible, we'd love for you to have a Bible of your own. So before you leave today, make sure you stop by the welcome station and tell them, hey, I'd like to get a Bible, and we'll put one in your hands. If you're watching online and you don't own a Bible, just send a message to the prayer host, and we'll find a way to send a Bible to you. We want everybody to have a copy of the Bible. So Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, it says this, And he, Jesus, called the twelve, the twelve apostles, twelve disciples, he called them together and gave them power and authority over all demons. This was a couple weeks ago, what Jesus was doing in chapter 8. He was showing his power over demons, and he, he cast a, a, a multitude of demons out of a man who, who'd carried them with him for years, and he sent the demons into pig. That's where we get deviled ham from. And then last week... Wow, dad jokes. I'm not even a dad. Power over all demons. And he gave them power to cure diseases. Last week in Luke chapter 8, we learned that Jesus healed two different people, a 12-year-old girl who was on her deathbed and a woman who'd been suffering with an illness for 12 years, and Jesus cured them both. And so he gives this power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases to the 12, verse 2, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey. Don't take a walking stick. Don't take a backpack. Don't pack a lunch. Leave your wallet at home. Don't take an extra hoodie in whatever house you enter. Stay there. And from there, depart. And wherever they do not receive you, 
When you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Just, just walk away. Don't fight them. Don't, don't let them get under your skin. Just say, you know what? I'm moving on to the next place. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. I want to jump right in and start talking about this. But before we do that, I'd like us to pause for a moment and pray together and ask God to speak to us through his word, because he can say a few things through me, but what he's really going to do is speak to us individually through his Holy Spirit. So let's just take a moment and ask him for that. Lord, we're so thankful that you love to speak to us, and so I pray that you do that today. You'd speak to us through your Holy Spirit. You'd, you'd use your, your word, the pages of the Bible, to change us, to make us more like your son, Jesus. Help us to know more about him today than we did when we came in. Give us that, Lord. If we get nothing else, let us know more about Jesus today than we did before we came in. We thank you for that and that that's what you do through the pages of the Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I said, I just wanna jump right in. So in verse one, it says, he called the 12 together. Now, who are the 12? Well, I mentioned that. It's the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples, we call them. These are the men that Jesus gathered around him and who became his closest friends over the three years of his ministry on the earth. And, and sometimes we wonder, how did they get there? Whenever I'm studying the Bible, I usually ask a couple questions and that, that helps me to understand the things that are going on there. So maybe they'll help you too. I usually ask, who are these people and how did they get there? And many times asking those questions and finding the answers will help us discover more about what God's saying in the passage. So who are these people, the 12? Well, they're the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples. We know that. But how did they get there? Well, we learned that Jesus actually chose them. He chose them to have this role and to work with him and to do his work in the world. And he chose them after spending a night in prayer. Now, it doesn't say this here, but in another passage of the Bible, it tells us that Jesus prayed all night long. And the next morning, he got up and he said, Peter, you're one of my 12. James, you're one of my 12. John, you're one of my 12. Judas, you're one of my 12. And this happened after spending a night in prayer. Now, this is interesting to me because Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible tells us that he created all things and that all things were created for him. So he created the 12. He created them for himself. He, he knew them before they were ever born, and yet he spends all night in prayer before he chooses them to come work with him. What a great piece of advice for us before we decide to go do anything that, that would uh, cost us big to, to stop and pray we like to hurry through things, we like to rush through things, we like to make snap decisions, and sometimes that is required of us, but not always. There's a byword that's been used frequently, and I would say used frequently in Christian literature over the past two decades, and that's the word urgency. That's a word we don't often find in the Bible. You know what word we do find in the Bible frequently? It's the word wait, over and over and over again. God says, wait on me, wait for me, wait with me. So Jesus, the son of God who knows all things from the, from the beginning of time to the end of time, the Bible calls him the beginning and the end. He himself encompasses all of time. He knew who these 12 were and yet he chose to spend time waiting on God. How that would change our lives if we did the same thing. 
instead of rushing into everything. But if we spent time waiting on him like Jesus did. Now, it's really interesting to me, too, that even though he spent time waiting on God, he still chose Judas. Do you, do you know that you can give hours and hours to prayer and days to fasting and you can get all of the advice and counsel that you want and you can give everything you can over to God as you're working with something, but guess what? We're never promised that it's gonna be a successful choice just because we prayed. Judas, we could say, was a leadership failure pragmatically on Jesus's part. If you know the story, Judas is the man who eventually betrays Jesus and he picked him. We're never promised success always. What we are promised is that God somehow works all things together for our good, even in the midst of our failures and choices that seem like ones that we should not have made. And so he called the 12 together. Now this word called them together literally carries with it the idea that, that he, he goes, come on, gather around, guys, gather around. It's almost like a huddle, like you'd see the team captain get grabbing his team and bringing them close. And we can only imagine how many times this sort of thing happened with Jesus and the 12 over the three years that he worked with them, where he'd gather them together and say, come in close. I have some things I want to tell you. And it's from this place where he gathered them together that he sent them on their mission. The word apostle literally means ones who have been sent. So it's from this place of getting close to Jesus, of, of leaning in and gathering with others around him that they were given their mission. And I wonder how many of us feel frustrated and lost and maybe sometimes even wandering around uh, trying to find our purpose. And sometimes the answer to that is we just need to lean in a little bit with Jesus Maybe I need to open my Bible more. Maybe I need to, to go to him in prayer more. Maybe I need to gather together with some other people around Jesus like we're doing here today. Maybe in that place we'll hear him speak to us and it will give newness of life to us and, and fix some things that feel broken and help us to find where we really fit in in life. It's from this place of being called together with Jesus that the apostles found their purpose and we'll find the same thing there as well. And this is interesting too. He gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. And I mentioned that we found that that's what he'd been doing. So he gives them power to do the things that he'd just been doing. He's essentially delegating his authority, which is good leadership practice. It's, it's the way it should be done. Jesus can't be in one multiple places at all times. He can only be in one place at one time. And there are multiple people who needed to be healed from demons and cured of diseases. And so he said, I can multiply myself by giving my authority to the 12 and they can go out and do the same things I've done in this one place in multiple places. And so Jesus then takes his power and says, you guys take the things that I've been doing and you do it as well. And many organizations work this way. Many churches work this way. Renaissance works this way. In the very beginning of the church, Pastor Jeff and Stacy, they began it in their home and they were doing, I would say, probably everything that there was to be done. And the church uh, found a building and began to grow a little bit. And now we've got musicians. So Pastor Jeff can't play all the instruments at one time. He's not strapping cymbals to his knees and playing a harmonica with a guitar. But there was a time where he would lead worship. I'm told that at one time in his life, Pastor Jeff was actually a good musician. I'm told. 
Is he still? No one knows. But, um, but at one time, we know that he was. That he, would take, he would lead worship, play guitar, take the guitar off, pick up the Bible, and teach the Bible. It doesn't work that way anymore. That's not his role anymore. He can't, he can't do that anymore. He doesn't take the guitar off and pick up the Bible now. Other people do these different things. TJ helps to lead us in worship. Different people on staff have different roles. Pastor Josh helps to lead us in discipleship and, and in small groups and, and helping us to find community with one another so we can truly find what it means to follow Jesus by, by working together and growing together in, in that way. Chris, he leads our students. My wife works with the kids Stacy, she's working to keep everything running well and administratively. Um, I have often said Jeff is the sizzle, but Stacy's the steak. She, all of the things that work together well, she has been behind them, helping them to work that way. And so everyone has a different role. Pastor Jeff can't do it all. It shouldn't be that way. It cannot be that way. And we see that, that everybody gets a different part. My, my role um, as operations pastor, which some of you have been asking me what that means, and simply what that means is I'm scheduling all the surgeries for everyone here in the church. I'm sorry, that was a bad, that was a, that was a dad joke. Was, I'm not a dad. I dress like one, and I have jokes like one, but I'm not a dad. That's bad. No, really, what it means is I am uh, looking at ways that I can see how the different ministries and teams of the church are working towards the same common goal and how can I support them so that we're all running in the same lane and not bumping into each other, not overlapping, but everybody's able to do their role efficiently and successfully. That's kind of my role to be able to help support others. And, and part of that is that I've been able to work on a few uh, different uh, employee policies that we have here at the church, um, particularly with our handbook, which sounds like the most boring thing in the world, I know, but I want you to know that sort of thing just excites me, lights me on fire. I know that says a lot about the kind of person that I am, but I love it. I, I love my job. I love it. I'm just, I'm just having fun right now, but I love my job. I've, I've been working for the church two months as of yesterday, and I love it. I love being here, and it's so fun. Stop. And it's so fun to be able to do that stuff. And one of the policies that we've been working hard to implement soon is what we call a sabbatical leave for our pastors. Now, some of you may be wondering, what is a, a sabbatical leave? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you. Sabbatical leave is an intentional time away from a role. Many churches do it like this. After, after five years of service, a, a pastor is required to take three to four months away from their role. This means, in many cases, they don't come to church. They might even, I've heard in some cases that they buy a burner phone. That way they don't have to be connected to their emails and text messages. So that way they can completely step away. Now, the word sabbatical comes from the word Sabbath, a Hebrew word where we understand what that means, it, but it literally means pause or rest. And sabbaticals professionally initially began in the academic realm where uh, universities, back in the time when they were most often started by churches, would require their professors once every seven years to take an entire year off from teaching. And the purpose of this was that so during that year, they could learn what it meant to be a student again. So that way, when they came back into the role as a professor, they were more equipped to teach again because they just felt what it meant 
to be a student all over again. Now, I can tell you this. As a pastor, the, the idea of a, of a sabbatical would be the same, that, that we'd learn how to become a follower of Jesus again. Now, I can tell you this, that, that when you're a pastor, you don't stop being a follower of Jesus. Like, that's the core of who you are. That doesn't ever change. I hope that doesn't change. That remains the same. But I can tell you this from my own experience and the experience of many pastors I've spoken to, that it is so easy to forget that that's who we are. It's so easy to forget that first we're followers of Jesus. Secondarily, we're leaders. Well, and I'll take that back. Secondary, first, we're followers of Jesus. Secondarily, I'm a husband. Pastor Jeff is a husband. Pastor Josh is a husband. Then they're fathers. Things like that it goes so on and so forth. But, but very often what happens, because we, we love the work so much and, and we're devoted to, to serving Jesus in that way, is that it's so easy for us as pastors to put this first. And it comes before being a follower of Jesus. It comes before being a husband or a father. And that, that's just a thing that can easily happen. And so a sabbatical can become so good for pastors. We have found many churches are figuring this out because it, it helps a pastor recenter and refocus and, and, and hear again God's call to what they're doing. So a sabbatical is not extra vacation time. It's not earned time off. It's not a reward for faithful service. It is not a part of the benefits package here at Renaissance. I know, I'm helping to work on that. It is not part of the benefits package here at Renaissance. But what a sabbatical is, is a discipleship tool for pastors to, to, to help pastors stay trained as followers of Jesus. It's also intentional. It's an intentional period of rest and refreshment and it is at Renaissance now, because it's going in the handbook, a job requirement, <laughs> a requirement for our pastors that they take a sabbatical. And this is very important to us because the health and the future of our church is very important to us. If we want to sustain and continue to grow and to continue to fulfill the mission that God has given us here in the city of Decatur, we, we have to find methods that will help us to, to do it in a, a healthy way. And, and I just want to say this. I'm just going to, just a little aside. Yesterday, my friend Todd Tuggle texted me, and he knew I was preaching today. And he said, hey, I'm praying for you today, which I appreciate. Thank you for that. And he said, I'm praying for you for, you, for tomorrow. Be bold and, and go tell everyone what God's been telling you. Can I, can I just do that for a second? What God has been telling me that the future of our church is so full of hope. Like our better days are ahead of us. We've had some great things behind us, a lot of great stuff. And 2020 was a really hard year, but I believe now more than ever that the future of our church is so great. And I'm not a hype man. If you know me, this is not me to hype things up. I just believe it down deep that God has wonderful things ahead of us. And a crucial part of it is that we figure out how to care for ourselves very well. It's important to God that we do. What we learn in the book of Genesis, God creates the world in six days. In the beginning, you know the story, God created the heavens and the earth, and the story goes that over a period of six days, he creates different things, and on the sixth day, he created man. We call him Adam and Eve. Many of you have probably heard the story. He creates man on the sixth day, and on the seventh day, what do we learn? God rests. It's called the Sabbath. God rested that 
seventh day. Now, it's easy for us to remember that. The seventh day is the Sabbath. That's when God rested. What we often overlook is that while that was God's seventh day in creation, it was Adam and Eve's first full day. They did not work for six days and earn a Sabbath day off. They began from a Sabbath. And out of that place uh, of their first full day of rest, God said, now go be fruitful and multiply. And that's what we're expecting through this sabbatical leave policy for pastors. So all of that to say, it is our pleasure to be able to announce that in a, a few months' time, Pastor Jeff will be taking his sabbatical leave, his first one here at Renaissance. And I've asked him to come and join me on the stage for these last few minutes of our time here today because we just want to talk about that a little bit, uh, uh, about what that's going to look like for him and for the church. And um, when I was uh, rehearsing my message and I said, Pastor Jeff will be taking, hi, Pastor Jeff, my good friend. I said, Pastor Jeff will be taking <laughs> his sabbatical leave. Um, I um, imagine there would be a uh, round of applause for him for that, but... Uh, yeah, why wasn't there? I'm just yeah. wondering. Boo, yeah. hiss, boo, hiss. <laughs> no, but um, hey, thanks for coming up here. Yeah, can we me. switch sides? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <sighs> this feels better. <laughs> this is my side. It just feels better. Yeah, you just don't know how it feels to be in your wrong spot when you're up. <laughs> it's so good. Good. Well, thanks for coming up here with well, me. Well, thanks for inviting me. Um, if, if you're visiting the church, this probably feels very much like a family meeting. You're like, this is weird. Come back next week. It won't be so awkward. Um, but we thought it best to start telling the church, you know, what is going to be happening in the ensuing months. And I'm glad you're here to hear this. And so, anyways, fire away, Joe. Yeah, this is something we've been talking about for a while, doing here at the church. And you're actually, yes. if we're going on the five-year cycle, you're actually due for your second one at this time. I'm going to take them both at the same time. Okay. <laughs> I have a good friend of mine who pastors a church down the street, and he's starting his second sabbatical since we started Renaissance. And I'm like, jealous. I mean, like, it's, uh, and, and their church has a wonderful um, sabbatical policy already set up, so he is mandated to take his, his sabbatical. Um, but I, I love the opportunity that I get to rest and reset. I love your language on, on how you describe that. That's really, really good. Well, I love that you get to do that too. And um, I know many of us will have a lot of questions and we'll all be able to learn more about that over the coming weeks. Um, but how about you tell us um, how long this might be for you and about when we might be expecting it. Right, right. So um, I'm going to start my sabbatical in uh, mid-July. Um, I'm going to come back. We're doing that one thing in June. And if you've never experienced that one thing, our series that we do every summer, we invite guest speakers to come in. It's a wonderful time to hear other voices, other Christians um, speak to us as a church. It's nice to hear from other people than just us. So come to that, but then I'll come back in July, and I'll, I think I preach once or twice, and then I'm going to leave, um, and I'm taking about 12 weeks. Now, I'm going to probably add a, a maybe a week or two vacation into that as well. So I'll be um, working my way back into the church probably end of October early November. So that's what it's going to look like. Yeah, thanks for that. And just as an aside, you mentioned you're taking your sabbatical after that one thing. Some people might be wondering, well, you won't be preaching the month of June. Why not start it then? Because not preaching on Sunday is not sabbatical. Correct. Somebody has to wash the toilets here. <laughs> so 
<laughs> no, I, I have many other roles beside preaching. Preaching is my favorite thing to do. Um, I, I think I have a, a gift to teach, and I, I love to take the Bible and help people understand it. Um, but there are a lot of other responsibilities that I have week to week. So I'll, I'll still fulfill all of those. I just won't teach on Sundays. And then the wonderful thing about a sabbatical is when I step aside, it gives people like Josh, Pastor Josh, who's back there, and uh, Joe as well, and Chris, others, um, they get to slide into a role that they normally don't hold up every week. And they get to feel what it feels like to experience what it feels like to be in a different position and it's growing for them the church gets to experience what it looks like to not have senior pastor in the building right Uh, the church gets to also experience uh, the senior pastor gets to experience what is it like to not stand on this stage um, and have their hear me when I say this and have (laughs) their identity shaped from this platform Uh, Joe had asked me, we got together Friday, um, what's one of the things I'm looking forward to the most in this time away? Um, I'm looking forward to reset. I'm looking forward to finding myself again, to becoming a follower of Jesus first again, that type of thing. But the thing that terrifies me the most is that I'm going to have to wrestle with an identity issue. That for the last 12 years, I've been called a senior pastor. I've been leading people, and that's what I do. And now I have to set all of that behind In fact, I was struck by the passage that you chose here, Luke 9, chapter 3. It says that when he sends out the apostles, that he tells them not to take anything with them. No bag, no tunic, no this, no that. And I'm like, I I start getting a panic attack when I read that. Because I'm very much a, a same thing all the time kind of guy. I don't vacation well. Anyone else not vacation well? Right, right. I just, I, I just like the same things over and over and over again. Maybe you noticed when I walked up here, I asked Joe if we could switch sides because I have to be on this side because this feels more comfortable for me. Um, so I, I'm going to have to find myself in Christ again. That's not senior pastor. That's not the head of a 15 employees that doesn't oversee a building project of 1.8 million dollars. That doesn't, see, you know what I mean? I have to do. I have to find something else. For me, and I want to find that in Jesus. And I'm quite um, candidly terrified about it. It's it's um, scary for me, um, yet good, right? So, is is there something you feel excited about for this time? You, you know, I, I would I would like. I've been talking with my counselor a little bit, and um, one of the things we've been noticing is. I think I have an adrenaline addiction, and not to make light of any type of addictions at all, but my, my week-to-week stuff, I, I run on uh, caffeine and adrenaline a lot. Um, and, and when I talk with my therapist, who's, who's helped other pastors go through sabbaticals, he'll, he says, Jeff, there's this moment in your first week or so where all you do is sleep, and you've convinced yourself you have uh, mono, or in our day and age, COVID, <laughs> where you just sleep for you know seven days. And, um, but then your body begins to detox itself from all the adrenaline and you, you reset. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to reading my Bible again and not look for sermon illustrations. I'm looking forward to listening to podcasts and other pastors preach to me like I'm just a Jesus guy. I'm looking forward to listening to worship music and, and not make the instant text to TJ saying, bro, we have to do this song at church. I love you, but I need to get away from you. 
I need to find myself again in Jesus. And so the sabbatical thing is wonderful. Um, and I don't want you to mishear me. It's not like I'm burning out or anything like that. But this is just a part of the process of what it looks like to reset and, and re-energize, I guess. So. That's great. What do you think you're going to miss the most? Um, not you, Joe. <laughs> No, I, I, um, I, I, I did think about that. I, I'm going to miss, obviously, the people. It is wonderful. I'm stepping away, not just from the responsibilities here, but there's, um, I'm not doing any pastoral things, so there'll be no weddings nor funerals for me for 12 weeks. Um, so don't plan your funeral in the next 12 weeks. And uh, So I have to step away from some of that stuff, and it's one of the things that I enjoy as a pastor is to be a part of the family business of the marriage, uh, the marriages, etc. Stepping away from all of you on Sunday, this is my normal routine, and um, yeah, that's going to be difficult for me. I'm going to miss that maybe the most. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, and we're going to miss you. Um, well, they will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did ask him a couple weeks ago. I was like, "Does this mean we can still be friends during that time?" Like, <laughs> yeah, that's good. Could I still hang out if I wanted to? <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's maybe something good to, to say as well. So I won't, I won't be here in a, a pastoral capacity, but if you already have my phone number in your phone, right, you could call me and text me, right? I'm still going to, like, be friends with people. I just won't answer church questions is all. So that, uh, and the burner phone is a wonderful idea, by the way. <laughs> like, it feel, feels very John Wick at this moment. I'm just... <laughs> Like, I like that idea. So anyways, um, I don't want to take up too much more time. Very good. I, um, um, I just wonder, what do you think we should be praying for as a church, mm. for the church in these next yeah. uh, few days? Yeah, well, we've never experienced something like this. An interesting thing about church plants is you sort of, you, you make them as you go. And so Renaissance is a church plant. Now we're 10 years old, 11 years old or so, but we've never had a policy for this. So I appreciate your hard work in that. But we as a church, we have to learn how to to. We have to learn on how we're going to sabbatical our pastor as well. How are we going to get along without them? Are we going to, and I ask this question prophetically possibly, are we going to murmur and mumble? You know, are we going to say, I wish I could have 12 weeks off, right? <laughs> I already know you. I know the questions that you're asking. Are we going to... Um, are we going to be able to see it as a way to, to honestly help reset and re-energize the pastors to bring a new vision back to the church? I know, um, I know of pastors who, when they have come back from sabbatical, their churches have felt like they've got a new pastor again. And they didn't have to put a church finding or a pastor finding committee. They didn't have to hire a new guy or a girl. But the pastor is, is refueled and ready to come back and do another five, six years of ministry. So, which is about what I have left in me. Wouldn't you agree? I've got five or six more years <laughs> left. And then I'll probably go out to pasture. Is that what they do with pastors? Pasture? Pastor? Pastor? Will you be 70 then? Is that Shush. <laughs> No, I will not be as old as Terry Mason. <laughs> Watch it, he says. Watch it. So anyways, I love you guys. Thank you so much. Can I leave you with it? Absolutely. Or do you want to do anything else yep. before I go? Yeah, just thank you for... Right on, right this, on, Joe. Yeah, thank you. great. Thanks, Pastor Jeff. Um, 
he mentioned that if you're, if you're visiting, it's kind of probably feels where we don't do this sort of thing every Sunday. It's always one person preaching. Here's something. If you come back next week, what you'll find is we often don't do the same thing over and over again with some things. We have this thing we like to say, nothing is sacred around here. You might come in one day and all the chairs are gone because we're like, this feels like a better thing than I kid about that. But, but what we say over and over is that the only sacred thing here are the people. That's what's sacred to Jesus, are, are the people, not our traditions or the things that we do. And so every Sunday, what we do is we turn our thoughts towards Jesus because we know that he's the only one who can save us, help us, rescue us. Many times we come into church with, the reason t- many times we come to church is because we need something from God. And so that's why we focus on Jesus. And, and so I'll say this, like uh, the fact that we're all about Jesus and all about people undergirds why the pastoral sabbatical leave is an important thing, is to be able to help the pastor uh, feel like a people again and focus on Jesus. And it causes all of us to turn our attention toward Jesus, because sometimes in the church, what we can do is find ourselves dependent on the pastor alone and the pastor can replace Jesus. So so th- this is what it's all about. It's all because of Jesus that we're doing this. You you may have seen that somewhere here in the building that phrase because of Jesus. That's the the primary thing we do. Everything that we do and and, and that's undergirding all of this as well. So so that the pastors and our congregation can focus on Jesus. And so Every week after we get finished with our message, the band returns and we take an intentional time to worship again, to take some of the things that we've heard in the hope that God will have spoken to us through, through a word or a phrase or a paragraph. And we'll take that and focus on Jesus and ask him to do something special in our hearts that only he can do. So we're going to do that again in this time. So would you pray with me? Lord, we are... So thankful that uh, we are part of a church called Renaissance that is truly all about you, Jesus. I thank you that you uh, know every need that we have. You, you see every, every high mountaintop experience that we've had here. You've seen every valley that we've had here. Jesus, you've been with us through it all. I thank you that our best days as a church are truly in our future. Lord, I thank you for that. And I thank you that you're going you're gonna to use this, this period of time where Pastor Jeff is, is uh, laying aside his authority as the pastor here and delegating that out to others. Uh, so he will be refocusing on you, resetting again. With you, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity for us as a church to to grow together and and feel the weight of what it means to wholly depend on you and you alone. Lord, we love you and we thank you. I pray that you'd speak to us today as we turn our thoughts to you in worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you. 